Thanks for joining us again on the Rural Wellness Podcast, a podcast to support, connect and provide education to those in rural and remote areas, to show you that you aren't alone when it comes to your health and to empower you to make a positive change in your life. In today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure to have on one of the most passionate ladies when it comes to all things pelvic health related. However, we did have some technical issues and it gets a little bit crackly in part, so please bear with us as I think there is some absolute gems of wisdom for you to take away. I am so excited to introduce this lady to you. She is one of my role models both in life and business. She is an amazingly passionate women's health physiotherapist, a business owner, a current board member of Women's Health and Wellbeing, Barwon Southwest, a mum to the gorgeous baby boy Bobby, and she is an amazing speaker at a number of events, and including last year's Rural Women's Health Forum. And due to popular demand, she is coming back this year again to speak. So without further ado, I would like to welcome and thank Jessica Fishburn for taking the time out of her busy schedule to be here. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Hayley. And what a beautiful introduction. I'm sitting here slightly emotional after hearing that. So thank you so much. Um, I'm equally proud and impressed by you and all you have achieved in your career this far, thus far. Um, so I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. I am like, yes, so you are just one of my biggest role models in life. So I am so grateful to be able to share this with other women as well. But did you want to sort of start with um, sharing with the listeners what a women's health physio actually does? Okay, so um, I might um, just change the language that we use today. There's been a big shift within um, the women's health, women's and men's health physio sphere to actually change the name um, to a pelvic health physio rather than a women's or a men's health physio. Um, obviously, we need to be really inclusive and sensitive to gender um, identification and um, uh, everything that's associated and the nuance that's associated with transgender and gender diversity. So um, a pelvic health physio, I do only treat women that either identify as a woman or that have female reproductive, that were assigned female at birth um, and that have female reproductive um, organs purely because I just treat um, the pelvic health or the um, pelvic floor sides of um, things, whereas one of our other physios, he, she does both um, men's and women's health. So a pelvic health physio, um, we're really quite different to your traditional physio, but we follow the same principles of assessing, treating, preventing and managing conditions. Um, but we do this of the pelvis and um, of the whole body, sorry, in relating to hormonal changes throughout the lifespan. So that predominantly includes uh, issues of the pelvic floor, but it's not limited to them. So um, we treat girls through puberty, um, so issues with menstruation and activity levels, predominantly um, pelvic pain issues with menstruation. 
Um, we treat pre and postnatal women. We treat perimenopausal uh, women and postmenopausal women. So um, it can be everything from looking at the role that the pelvic floor muscles play, which the pelvic floor is a group is a group of muscles and fascia at the base of the pelvis. Um, and they've got three main roles. That is one, to support our abdominal contents, two, to consciously control the opening to our bladder and bowels, and three, they play a very important role in sexual function. Um, so it's looking at all conditions that are associated with that. It's really cool. And I thanks for picking me up awesome. on the terminology there because um, like I was just thinking about it, like, you know, men and women actually all have pelvic floor and pelvic issues they and we don't really sometimes acknowledge that or sometimes people don't realise that. Absolutely. And um, I do have to um, absolutely flag my bias there because I have only trained and I really only have an interest in women's health. I often um, will uh, trip up on that. But absolutely, men have a pelvic floor. It is just as important because if we did not have that um, floor of the pelvis, um, everything would fall out. So you're correct. We do. We both have it. Um, we all have a pelvic floor. Good yeah. point. Cool. No, it's really cool. We're gonna. We're definitely going with pelvic health physio. That is. That is your new title. Um, what made you decide to become a pelvic health physio? So, um, I my um, journey to being a physio was quite funny. When I was little, I actually wanted to be a plumber, and because my dad was a plumber and then I realized that not many other little girls wanted to be plumbers and so I then wanted to be the um, uh, a ballerina for the Australian ballet company um, but dramatically realized that I was not going to cut it as a professional dancer because I'm quite an average dancer so I thought I'm going to make money off the Australian ballet and I'm going to treat all of their injuries and then when I got to uni I realized that I don't want to work with elite athletes. These people are able to function at 99%. They can go to work. They can do movement at a really elite level. And that's when I discovered um, the amazing pelvic, the role of a pelvic health physiotherapist in helping someone that either, for example, postnatally, might have had quite a traumatic birth, they've got pelvic pain, they've um, got incontinence, therefore they can't participate in things with their children or with their friends. They avoid going to places for fear of leakage or they avoid being intimate with their partner for fear of pain or because of pain. Um, these people are not able to experience life to the full and the role of a pelvic health physio um, helps them achieve that and has amazing results. So rather than getting someone with a dicky tennis, a dicky knee playing tennis to be able to work at that elite level, I love getting everyday people, uh, myself, back to being able to live um, and do the things that they want to. So that's how I ended up. So now I do comment and say I'm, I'm a plumber, but I'm just a plumber um, for our waterworks or human waterworks rather than generic plumbing yeah that's right um and it's a really good cool story like and how it all formed and i love that you know you want to help people just get oh, move forward I'm sorry Hayley. i i'll just get you to repeat that i didn't catch that that's all right 
Um, I'm really, I really love your story and I love how that you really just want to help people um, feel comfortable in their everyday life and reduce pain and things like that. Um, have you, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes, I can cool. catch you that. Perfect. So um, I'm going to be open and I see Jess myself um, as with endometriosis and Jess has helped me um, manage my endometriosis pain um, in a number of ways. But so I'm sort of a little bit narrow, narrow minded, I guess, in regards to what other things Jess can help with. But can you sort of elaborate on other conditions that you might be able to help with? Absolutely. And um, I was trying to summarise this in my head before we got started and I realised how vast the role of a pelvic health physio really is. Yeah, I think so, it's really big actually. Then it's like I feel I'm very just narrow in my views of what you can actually do, but I think it's a much bigger, bigger task than what I think. Absolutely. It, it's really broad. So I'm going to break it down into some different sections. So for example, um, continence is a big section. So looking at stress, urinary incontinence, which is um, leakage with coughing, laughing, sneezing, jumping, running. We've then got urgency and urge urinary incontinence. And a really big point that I want to make here is that if you've got a rush to the bathroom, for fear of leakage, that actually has nothing to do, or it's got very minimal to do with the role of your pelvic floor and your pelvic floor being weak. It's actually to do with your bladder function. So a lot of people present and they say, oh, I'm, I must have a really weak pelvic floor because I'm constantly rushing to the toilet because I need to, I'm, I'm gonna leak, when that's actually to do with their bladder. So we do a lot of bladder retraining, that's a big component. Um, we do deal with fecal incontinence and flatus incontinence, so the inability to help hold wind. Um, a huge component of my workload is in pelvic pain. So that might be um, pain with intercourse or um, sexual pain. It may be period pain. It may be generalised pain within the pelvic region. And it may also be non-specific low back pain that hasn't responded to other treatments. I find I get a referral, you know, off the cuff from a, a GP or someone saying, maybe just get your pelvic floor checked. And it's actually really, um, it's got a lot of tone. It's holding a lot of um, tension and it's not functioning correctly. Um, so I see a lot of patients in that regard. Then the, uh, I treat, we treat um, pregnancy related pelvic girdle pain and pregnancy related low back pain. And then in the postnatal population, um, birth trauma, so things like scarring, um, tearing, third and fourth degree tearing, uh, that kind of thing. And that sounds all very horrific um, if that's not a world that you're in. However, I think as pelvic health physios, we have the that's the patient population that improves the most. I had um, no, no hesitations or reservations going into childbirth, um, having seen some of the worst birth trauma that you could think of and seeing these women recover amazingly. It was just fantastic. So um, that's a really big component. The other areas are that I see a lot rurally is prolapse. So when um, organs of the pelvic cavity fall to places where they shouldn't be. And I know if there is a rural population listening, 
Um, a lot of people will know what a prolapse is because of sheep. Um, yeah. And that can <laughs> unfortunately happen to women. And statistics of prolapse are scarily high. So that's another area that I treat. And from a rural perspective, we really need to focus on the role of heavy lifting and as women, we are not designed to be able to lift very heavy. So it's a very, thing, a, a very big component is education about um, it's not now that you'll experience the issues, it's perimenopausal that you'll start to notice the changes. Yeah. So that's yeah. sort of a, um, a, a broad aspect of some of the conditions. And sorry, one that I haven't touched on is um, mastitis. Physio is um, amazing. Pelvic health physio or women's health physio is amazing to treat um, the symptoms of mastitis and avoiding having to have um, antibiotics. So we do yeah. get a lot of referrals for mastitis. Yep, I yeah. literally just okay. sent a patient there a couple. And of so some of the treatment. What was that? Sorry, I literally just sent a patient a couple of weeks ago to um, Gen Health to um, deal with mastitis. I said, "There's nothing I can do. You just need to go and see the girls at Gen Health. They are going to fix this for you and like fix it for good." So, because um, it was a reoccurrence. Absolutely. And um, so, treatment techniques that we use in terms of management of ultrasound is—I mean, of management of mastitis—is really focused ultrasound. Um, and lymphatic drainage, which goes, and as being a patient um, uh, and a breastfeeding mum, it actually goes against what instinctively you'd think to do in terms of massage. So education is really important again there. Yeah. I would say that my role as a pelvic health physio, the biggest um, treatment technique that I use is education. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, and this comes back down to education as well, is I think rural women, but women in general, are embarrassed to talk about this or embarrassed to ask for help. And I think that's one of the things, if we can educate women more about, you know, what's normal, what's not normal, and that we can dig into it and feel that it's comfortable and it's a comfortable topic to talk about, that they're going to want to go get help and, and get rid and of these issues. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Hayley, because um, you know how passionate I am about, um, to me, because I'm, uh, I'm treating and assessing vulvas and vaginas and um, breast tissue on a daily basis. To me, anatomically, that, there's no difference between these body parts to an elbow or a knee. And uh, I, I really hate that there's this societal... Um, prejudice or bias that just because they're in our underwear or underneath the bra that we should be embarrassed. Um, I want to make sure that we empower all women to have body autonomy, to make sure that we know exactly what our anatomy is and know what our normal is. So if you have not had a look at your vulva and your vagina recently, to take a mirror downstairs and have a look so that you know what your vulva is doing. And again, there's a really big difference between your vulva and your vagina. So knowing what your anatomy is, um, is so important so that when you, if you do have um, a concern, you can present to the relevant health professional and say, hey, this is not normal for me and I would like it checked. And feel empowered to do so. 
And I want to make sure that you're seeking health professionals that do make you feel empowered and that listen and um, don't disregard things. So a lot of the common presentation that I see is women coming in and sitting down and saying, but I was always told that period pain was normal or I was always told that this was normal or um, uh, that a little bit of leakage after having a baby is normal. You know, these things are common, but they are not normal um, and they can be easily treated. Yeah, and I often see patients too being like, oh, this is what your life's going to be like for the rest of your life. There's nothing else we can do. But there is always something that we can do and someone to help manage your symptoms. Absolutely. And it's really heartbreaking because a lot of the information or the a lot of the information that women are getting is either from that they've been taught from their parents, um, which is generally a lack thereof. Um, and or that they've Googled and that because the current statistics say that one in three women that have ever had a baby will wet themselves, they just go, oh, well, I'm that one in three and they'll just roll with it. Um, so it's really important to make sure that we're getting the right information. Uh, last year, as part of the um, Jean Hales Women's Health Week in September, my two women's or pelvic health colleagues and I went into the local schools, local all the local secondary schools here, and did education sessions with all of the secondary girls about what normal anatomy is when to seek help, where to seek help, when things are going wrong. And another thing that I really find that we're not educated enough on is sexual health. And it's just this awkward topic. No one knows when they need to be addressing it or discussing it. And our only resource that we turn to is pornography. And that does not paint women in a great light. So uh, I'm getting a bit on my high horse here. But if I'm seeing a woman present with pelvic pain, and there's no discussion with, uh, sorry, if she's presenting with pelvic pain and it's predominantly pain with intercourse um, with a long-term partner, there's no discussion about the role that um, intimacy and, and the role of pleasure for women actually plays in that intimate relationship. And so um, there's no education about masturbation and there's no education about how to have sex and um, from an early age. And so the, the predominant age bracket that I'm seeing of women and the statistics support this also with the predominant age bracket of women that I'm seeing presenting with pelvic pain is 16 to 21-year-olds. Um, and it's not with their first intercourse, the first episode of intercourse or sexual intimacy. It's usually with a long-term partner and it's their second or third so um, this is where education is so important and making sure that we've got access to education. So we're really proud and the feedback was fantastic from Women's Health Week last year of taking these, these, these topics into schools. And there was a little bit of pushback from um, just some resistance because these topics have never discussed. But again, I want to reiterate to a pelvic health physiotherapist, this is normal and this is important that we discuss I think sometimes too that maybe in school situations that teachers have been made to teach this sexual education and, and they don't know, they don't have the evidence. And I think it's really important that like you're an expert in this field. You didn't just go to uni to be a physiotherapist. You've done a lot of training to be a pelvic health physio and to know your staff. And that comes with any health professional. Don't try and self-diagnose you with things. Go to someone who is 
someone who has trained in the field, who knows what they're doing and has those special interest areas because they do above and beyond research. So you're equipped with the most up-to-date information to give, to educate people with. You're exactly, absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head there, Hayley, too. And um, it's, it's unfair and unrealistic for these teachers to be teaching sexual education. So I think that's where they need to outsource and get the correct people in to do it. Another one of my roles as a pelvic health physio um, within Gen Health, but also within our broader community, and I absolutely love this, is my health advocacy role and educating not just the general public, but educating other local professionals, whether it be midwives, whether it be um, personal trainers. So another big population is um, when women return to exercise after having a baby or during pregnancy, but predominantly after they've had a baby. So taking all of the amazing information that we have and, um, and that we're passionate about and taking it to the right people that are providing this information to the general public. So I'm really excited and, and proud that we do have a big role um, within the community to educate and keep educating because we know that evidence changes all the time um, in any health aspect. But um, I really see my role to provide that service to the local GPs and personal trainers and midwives and nurses and physicians and naturopaths and anyone that is in that sphere. So, yeah, it's really important. Definitely. And I think like even like, as you say, personal trainers and for me, obviously with endometriosis, I know there's certain exercises that actually flare up my pelvic pain and because of your education and we um, have to then try and not counteract it, but minimize doing those exercises or doing my home exercises to help relieve my pelvic pain. So to have that balance and personal trainers and other health professionals, even naturopaths and stuff. I only know this because we're such good friends and we talk about this like at, at lengths, but like they just don't have this information. <laughs> any like, chance that we can. Yeah, pretty much any chance we can. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a really big place that we just need to be educating people more. And even like um, my fellow naturopath friends, we've got a little um, group that we give each other support in. And um, anytime there's something pelvic um, related, I'm like, go and see women's health physio, go and see women's health physio because they have so much or a pelvic pain physio, pelvic pain physio, because they have so much of that knowledge to help a client. So it's such a collaborative approach rather than, you know, you just see this one person, it's sort of everything. Like it's not just, yeah. Anyway, I'm getting on my heart. Absolutely. <laughs> No, and we've got such shared values there as practitioners. Um, I want to talk to two points to that, and I perhaps want to use endometriosis as an example. Um, the first point that I want to say, so you've talked about having a support network in your um, uh, and a collaborative approach with your um, naturopathy um, peers. One thing, and I know, Hayley, you and I have talked about this in support networks on Facebook of how... If you're not finding information or if, there's, if you're in a support network, if you've got a condition, um, for example, the endometriosis Facebook support groups or I'm also in a running mums um, uh, support, uh, a running mums Facebook group and a lot of people put questions on there of health information, seeking health information, for example, have just had a baby, when should I return to exercise? And then you've got 
non-qualified people commenting saying, I returned at four weeks, I returned at six weeks, I returned at two months, see a pelvic health physio, see your GP, all of these different things and it's really conflicting. So the second point that I want to say to that is there's no one size fits all treatment for any pelvic health condition um, or any any musculoskeletal condition. Any health condition, there is no one size fits all in any health condition. Um, Whether it comes, you come to me with a digestive issue or you come to you with a sore shoulder or, or period pain or any of that, there's no one size fits all. Everybody's body's different. Everybody's life can like, um, lifestyle's different. So we cannot treat everybody the same. Absolutely. And it really, um, your first episode of the podcast, when you're talking about treat the body as a whole, how can we not treat the body as a whole? Like it has to be, if you're seeing a practitioner that is only treating you in one aspect, there's, you're not going to have those great um, overall holistic approach. So my second point to what I wanted to discuss um, in the example of endometriosis So from a pelvic health component, a physio's role in the treatment of endometriosis is to really help manage the cause of the pelvic pain. Um, I can't give a statistic on what uh, that percentage of that pain is caused from the pelvic floor muscles and spasm of the pelvic floor muscles, but it's a very high um, correlation. So it's looking at activity load, it's looking at um, pain management education, It's looking at the tone of the muscles themselves and perhaps um, stretching or manual release to those muscles. So a lot of people don't understand or haven't realised that uh, a pelvic health physio will do an internal uh, assessment, not will, may do an internally internal assessment of your pelvic floor muscles, whether that be vaginally or anally, um, to correctly assess, but then also treat those those tightness of muscles. Again, that can be a little bit confronting because these are topics that we don't usually talk about. Um, but if you're seeing the right practitioner that you feel comfortable with, it's no, it's no different to having your neck worked on. Um, so that's the role of physio. Then it's really important to have a great team in um, any management condition, but from a physio perspective or a pelvic health physio in the management of endo, I will always include Um, a naturopath, a GP, a good gynecologist, a good GP that understands pelvic pain conditions, um, a good gynecologist and a psychologist to really, or a counsellor, to really look at that whole approach um, to the individual and managing um, symptoms because we can do all of the manual treatment and um, education uh, activity activity modification about pain however if they're not addressing the dietary components or if they're not addressing the sleep components or the stress components or the gut health components then um, the results of the treatment are not going to be as good essentially Definitely. It's not like, and so I see some patients, they say, oh, I've just, I've been to, you know, a doctor and they haven't given me the results that I'm after. And I'm like, okay, but they not doing that collaborative approach, you know, to get those best results, we really have to have that collaborative approach because, you know, there's only so much we can do in our, in our zone of genius. So if we, you know, I might be working on gut health, but you know, you could be working on releasing the pelvic floor muscle. You know, there's so much we can do. The doctor, the psychologist could be working on the mental side of it because we know that there is going to be a mental side of it. 
Sorry, I just missed the last component of what you said there, Hayley, but I, I completely agree. And I know that we have um, the shared patients that we've got um, get, you know, enormously better with collaboration. One thing that I um, do want to touch on also, just back peddling a little bit. I've talked about the conditions that we treat, but I haven't used, I haven't talked about the treatment options that we have as pelvic health um, uh, pelvic health physiotherapists. And can include anything from manual therapy, so that may be manual therapy to the pelvic floor muscles, internally and externally. It may be manual therapy to the um, uh, external uh, hip and glute and outer pelvic muscles and abdomen. Um, exercise therapy is so important. So uh, training of the pelvic floor muscles and ensuring the correct training. Um, it may be teaching your muscles when to switch off, particularly the pelvic floor muscles when to switch off. I see a lot of patients that have really overactive pelvic floor muscles and they go gung-ho when they're training and it just makes it worse. Um, I see, I, I use um, activity, activity modification so teaching women rural women how to correctly lift the bag of dog feed that's 20 kilos or teaching um, how to return, safely return to exercise post um, birth trauma or um, when to increase your exercise to assist with mental health or when to make sure that you're having a really good healthy exercise regime um, other things are like I spoke about the ultrasound with um, uh, mastitis and then the whole role of um, clinical Pilates which here at Gen Health we call group reform of physiotherapy um, just due to the changes of the pelvic health uh, reform last year but um, I am also a massive fan of yoga technique. Yeah definitely and I've literally just come from um, Pilates at Gen Health um, before recording this but um, yeah I, I can't yeah I just can't speak highly enough of how beneficial the Pilates and that really specific small group tailored to your health condition. It's that really, that approach that we spoke about before of um, going along with treat, um, treat person as the whole or not everyone's the same um, and going down those philosophies. Exactly. And I think that's where it's really important to identify the difference between um, just standard exercises and physio-led exercise. Physiotherapy-led exercise is always going to be individualised to whatever your condition, presentation, symptoms, preventative um, plan, as opposed to just a general exercise therapy. And general exercise therapy is just as important. So often people will say, oh, I don't need to do my physio exercises because I've been to the gym today, or I don't need to go to the gym today because I've done my physiotherapy exercises. Doesn't work like that. They're both just as important. Guaranteed it doesn't work like that. We're trying to get me back running without pelvic pain and got to do my exercises before and after I run. And even when I go to the gym to do a session, to help reduce the pain and make sure the muscles that need to be turned on are turning on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So important. So um, to wrap all of this up, because I know we've both got to get to other places, um, can you just maybe end with what's one bit of advice that you could give women in regards to their pelvic health? 
Okay, I couldn't narrow it down to one, so I've got two. I'm terribly sorry. That's I'm being okay. greedy. Uh, I knew I probably, I probably knew <laughs> that you weren't going to be able to do one, but let's see how we go with two. <laughs> Number one is know your normal. So know exactly what's normal. your breasts um, and then be able to seek help when things are not normal and be empowered to seek help when things are not normal. Please don't be embarrassed. Number two is knowing where to get the right information. Do not take anything from Facebook. Do not take anything as gospel from Google. Um, if it is a pelvic health issue, a pelvic health physio has... Um, 99% of the answers. Um, another big one that I want to say is if someone is rushing to the bathroom for fear of leakage and they present to the doctor, 90% um, of the time they'll be put on medication before they're offered a referral to physiotherapy. And that's not because physio can't help, it's just that a lot of GPs don't um, know the wonderful role that physio does have in that in that case so it's just about number two is just really about um, seek the right information from the right people and chase it down be empowered put yourself first as a woman I know as busy wives mums um, runners of the CEOs of the household we put ourselves last always but when it comes to your hat your health put yourself first because no one else will that is awesome tips there, Jess. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. That has given, I think, for I've learned something out of it. So I really hope that other people listening will uh, learn something out of it. I'm going to pop in the show notes um, a link to your website at Gen Health because I know you've got heaps of... Um, blogs on there as well um, and I'll put a link to your social media as well and I'm sure that people can contact you that way if they have any um, questions as well. Absolutely I'm more than happy to help out and thank you so much for having me any chance that I get a forum to share my If you loved hearing Jess speak today and would like to hear more from her, then please come to the 2020 Rural Women's Health Forum in Dunkeld on the 1st of May. You will not only hear from Jess, but a number of speakers passionate about supporting those in rural and remote areas. I would like to also thank one of our sponsors for today's episode, AGL Energy, who are also a gold sponsor for the 2020 Rural Women's Health Forum. They believe in sustainable, secure and affordable energy and they love to support rural communities, especially when it comes to improving their health. I really want to thank them greatly for their support. If you loved this episode of the podcast, please share it on your Instagram stories and tag the Rural Naturopath so we can help more people improve their health. We would also really appreciate if you really loved the podcast so much to leave us a re review on Apple Podcast. Have an amazing week and I'll see you next week.